the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root, from Cardswire.com, the USA NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, one of the many episodes we've done, I'm not numbering these, as I've mentioned in the last few, with the, this is the opponent preview series for, for 2023, where I've got, four, the Cardinals have 14 opponents, and so I will do 14 shows with the the writers, editors, uh, from our sister wire sites, and this one we get Kyle Madsen, one of my favorite guys on the NFL Wire. Been been here since 2016 or earlier. Yeah, I started it. I started contributing for Niners in 2015. That's right. And then when they that's right because because Biederman Biederman ran it before you <laughs> took over, but you've been here the entire time that I've been here. Um, yeah. And well, this I think year four of doing these shows. So you've been you've been coming on these for forever. Yeah, man. It's my favorite <laughs> annual uh, Slack message. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm in. Let me know when. <laughs> and so we're, we're going to talk 49ers. The Cardinals are the 49ers. We're going to be twice like they play every single year. Um, yep. And so let, we'll look back at last season, the off season, and what's looking ahead for what is a, a season of expectations for the Niners. And we, we, we burned some of the pre, pre, we, we burned some pre-show content on what was some really good stuff that I hope we can <laughs> Make it I sound it right. <laughs> I've got the loaded, man. <laughs> the 49ers, who were fantastic last year, went 13-4, and made it to the NFC Championship game, um, and that was on their third-string quarterback. Trey Lance gets hurt early in the season, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, and, which is, I believed this would happen. Like, I thought that with Trey Lance, they had a, they would not be as good as if they had Jimmy Garoppolo, but they needed to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. He gets them to playing well. He gets hurt. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, comes in. They go undefeated the rest of the year. He leads into the championship game, and then they have all the quarterback injuries, and you're left with Christian McCaffrey trying to throw some passes. Right. <laughs> but. They didn't even do that. It was just Brock, one-armed Brock Purdy That's out there. Right. Like, oh my goodness, that was tough. That was tough to Josh take Johnson. There's Josh nothing Johnson. worse than there's nothing worse than and I actually I don't mean to bring this up. It just so happens that this is a Cardinals podcast. The was it the 2014 NFC Championship game? Right. We, well, it wasn't the championship game. It was the first round of the playoffs. We oh, wasted okay. a playoff appearance on Ryan Lindley. Went on what was probably the Cardinals' absolute best chance of winning that of winning the championship was that 2014 season. They were so good. Carson Palmer really ACR, Taysom ACL, Drew Stanton gets hurt against the Rams, and so we we Fertile. we roll for the rest of the season with with Ryan Lindley, play a, an under 500 Panthers team in the first round of the playoffs, and produce the lowest offensive production in NFL playoff history with Ryan oh. Lindley playing quarterback. Now, well, in fairness, that happened because there was like a minus 34-yard play the last play of scrimmage. Right, and but that game was over like early. I was so, it and was it was, so I was, devastatingly bad. I was I was working in Arizona at the time, and a bunch of my coworkers are big Cardinals fans, and and my buddy Dan, at the de the next day at work was like, honestly, that's the bet. If you're gonna lose a playoff <laughs> game, that's the way to do it. And that's how I felt about the Niners losing to the to the Eagles last year. <laughs> like you go down with all the quarterback injuries. Like jo well, a Josh Johnson wasn't beating the Eagles, but when Johnson went down with the concussion, it was really clear that Purdy's oh, arm didn't work. 
it was just okay let's do the last 36 minutes of this game or whatever it was let's get this over with jeez yuck that said um I, I would say it would be fair to say that they far exceeded any expectations that anyone had for that team right yeah yeah it, given hmm given the way the season went yes but i i definitely think going into the year if you had just told me hey they went 13 and 4 i wouldn't have been floored the thought in my head would have been oh Trey Lance figured it out quick yeah and or they lost two to start and he was terrible and Garoppolo came in and and they they went 13 and 2 the rest of the way that that would have, Brock Purdy would have never entered my head right. and if you had said hey Brock Purdy's going to come in in the first drive or after the first drive in week 13 I just You're I would have like, thought season no. over and I thought we're drafting a new quarterback <laughs> right I thought that at the time I was doing post game on the radio for 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 Niner games at the station I was at and I said when when Garoppolo got hurt and they showed him getting carted off. I was like, that sucks. Their season's over in week 13. I thought it was done. And Brock Purdy, it turns out, can can play a little bit, which is a stunner to me. I had no faith in him. But, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I think, so So given how the season went, yeah, they, they dramatically exceeded whatever I thought they were going to do. So tell me what you thought. So I I wonder about whether Purdy can, if, if he's, if he, because they have such a talented roster, he doesn't need to be great. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. And what he was last year was was competent and smart, which is really what when mm-hmm. I talked talk to you last year, I'm like, this is the like look at this team. They have yeah. what they have a great offensive t- they have one of the best offensive tackles. You've got a great wide receiver group. You've got the best tight end arg- one of the best tight ends in the in the league. Mm-hmm. You now add Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best running back we've seen. Um, mm-hmm. in a long time, in the best scheme running offense in the NFL, mm-hmm. you just need your quarterback not to mess things up. Tell me, like what you were telling before the show, your thoughts on Purdy and, and Garoppolo. So I kind of feel like Purdy. We'll we'll start there. He was last year, like I said, he exceeded any expectation I had for him, and he was he was really good in little ways that Garoppolo was terrible. And I went and I, I I looked at the numbers. He pushes it down the field a little bit more often. And I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but under pressure, Garoppolo was a disaster. When the pocket collapsed, Jimmy Garoppolo was going to take a sack or turn it over. That was, that was how it felt. Whereas with Purdy, when the pocket collapsed, there were there were, you can quibble with some of the ways he he escaped the pocket and whether he did it too early. I, I I'll do that, but there were so many plays where the pocket breaks down and he steps up through it and makes a play or rolls out to his right and makes a play. There were three, four, five plays last year where Jimmy Garoppolo might take a sack or turn the ball over, and Brock Purdy turns it into a touchdown, and that little change is just so monumental on an offense like you just described with Christian McCaffrey and with George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. They have a quarterback now that is he have any like physical trait that wows you? No, but he can extend the amount of opportunities that the 49ers have to get the ball to those playmakers. And that's that is key number one. After that, it's don't turn it over. 
And there's two there there's two areas though that that I mentioned he he pushes the ball down the field a little more often with than than Garoppolo did. He threw it deep more often, and he threw it into the intermediate area about the same amount. <laughs> this is my favorite stat. He completed eighty percent of his throws, ten to nineteen yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Eighty percent. The next highest in the league was Deshaun Watson at sixty-eight. The difference between one and two, Brock Purdy and Deshaun Watson, was the same as the distance between Deshaun Watson and number thirty. Well, and 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 I know a lot. Like Shanahan is a genius on scheming guys open, mm-hmm. and you'd have wide open guys that Garoppolo would barely th- complete. Right? Yeah, he missed. He missed so many open guys, or or there would be a deeper uh, a shot open deeper down the field, and he would he would take the shorter throw. There's those little things. Do I think Brock Purdy is way better than Jimmy Garoppolo? No, because he might regress. Those intermediate throws, if he drops down to 61, 62%, and he had a couple of interceptions. One was dropped, one was called back. Uh, the dropped one against Seattle, and then there was one that was called back against Tampa. Those two interceptions could could pretty dramatically change the way we view Brock Purdy. So I think he's. I think you might see his interceptions uptick a little bit, and then his completion rate in the middle of the field or in that intermediate area. Uh, come down some and maybe he comes down to earth a little bit but I do think just that escapability and that awareness uh, when when the play falls apart and he can run the offense but when when he has to make a second reaction play or extend the play he's really good at that and I think that's where you kind of see the Niners offense take a leap let's anything last season that would have been viewed aside from the injury situation but anything that happened in the season that was viewed as disappointing because the defense was fantastic um you got you played well offensively you won a ton of games but was there anything that that underperformed <laughs> outside of Trey Lance like that I was <laughs> that was not I was not awesome. that, that was I'm a, also just real quick on that I'm not out on Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is going to wind up going somewhere and I think could be a really, really good player. He just needs to play. And that, and, and I think well, that he's he gonna... needed that last year and then he breaks yeah. his leg. And... Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was season over. So I think his time with the Niners is done uh, given how things are kind of going now, but that's a, that's a separate thing. So the, the Lance injury was, was definitely disappointing. Um, like Javon Kinlaw, 2020 first round pick. Had a tough year. Again. Um, Drake Jackson, their second round pick last year, wound up a healthy scratch in like five of their last six games, including the playoffs. That was that was not great. Elijah Mitchell, really good running back. Um, dealt with injuries again. He's only played 16 games in his first two years. That's, Talented that's player, but, but can't stand y- the field. Y'all are used to that. Yeah, that's just kind of... And then they made up for it by trading for Christian McCaffrey. So no, I, I think they, they met or exceeded expectations... And like every position I had question marks about, um, they were they wound up being really, really good. Coming to next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, best our Cardinals talking about the smooth of the offseason, free agency, and the draft. That's coming to next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best our Cardinals talk on the web. Free agency. Um, the 49ers made, took, made one of the big moves early. Adding Javon Hargrave to that defensive line, which seems unfair. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. That seems unfair to put Hargrave in a defense in, in the interior where you already have Eric Armstead and you already have Nick Bosa. That That's not fair. You're not playing by the rules. Um, sure. <laughs> and, um, but 
did, and, I mean, adding Sam Darnold is a, you know, a game changer, right? Totally. <laughs> yeah. It's Sam Darnold, the MVP, future MVP. The <laughs> amount of people that I've seen, and Brooklyn, the Niners can add Javon Hargrave if the Eagles are going to do what the Eagles have been doing. That's true. So that's just a whole, that that's, they have to do that to compete in the NFC. But the, the amount of love for Sam Darnold this offseason has been insane. I love him as I a don't, backup quarterback. I do. I love him. He he's No, totally. As a backup quarterback. But the, you got Mike Martz out here like, "Oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl because Sam Darnold is going to be the starter." And you've got another guy from CBS like um Adam Shine, is that his name? Yeah. Was like Sam Darnold love him as an MVP bet. Like, what here's are we thing. doing here? No, no. Like he's like his ceiling is super high, but the problem is the problem is turnovers in which he will yeah it's worse than jimmy garoppolo right when the lights come on he's just he the it's the i'm seeing ghosts thing i know that was like a meme but that's just kind of that's a good encapsulation of and he's super talented and if he has to come in i think the niners could could win a couple games but i would also not love their chances to win a playoff game (laughs) if sam darnold's playing like that's just and the i think the days of kyle shanahan takes average quarterbacks and turns them great i think that got overblown because what kyle shanahan was doing with matt schaub in houston was just so new and what kyle shanahan did with matt ryan in 2016 was just so new that the league didn't know how to defend it but then he did with brock purdy yeah, but I don't. I think there's, like I said, I think there's something there with with Purdy where he's not like just a bad quarterback. He does some stuff outside of structure that 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 helps. And they're and they're loaded offensively. It's not. It's not the quarterback that's carrying this offense right no. now. It's George Kittle. It's Christian McCaffrey. It's Debo Samuel. It's Brandon Ayuk. So I think that this idea that Kyle Shanahan can take a guy like Sam Darnold and just turn him into 2016 Matt Ryan is, I think those days are gone because everybody runs some version of the Kyle Shanahan system now. Right, right. And defenses know how to defend it or learning better how to defend it. So that's I, just Sam Darnold. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Love him as a backup, but come on. Uh, he's not like, I don't mind, but geez. Uh, any other notable additions or subtractions in free agency? I should know the answer to this. Yeah, they lost their starting right tackle, Mike McGlinchey. That's right. But he that's but, you, and but, he, but he, he, he's a good they paid him too much in Denver, is what you said, right? Yeah, Denver cashed him out. That was crazy. But he's a good player. He got he was one of those players that drew the ire of 49er fans because you wouldn't notice him. Oh, he's a very good run blocker. You wouldn't notice him in the passing game, but there was maybe one or two reps a game where he would just be a traffic cone. And those would get clipped, and it's like, Mike McGlinchey's the worst tackle in the league. No, he's not. He's a g- good player. And um, that that is going to be... I don't think they're going to have a super easy time replacing him. So that's a pretty significant loss. I mean, they lost Aziz Alshire, their third linebacker, but that, that position's not on the field that right. much. And, and Well, and um, you, you already have Fred Warner and Drake Green lost, so it's not like... Yeah, that's that's not a huge, a huge thing. Um... I'm super interested to see their their first pick this year was number 87 in the in the third round and it's a kid named Jair Brown from Penn State 
And I don't know if he's going to start because they re-signed Tayshawn Gibson, who was who was good for them last year. He turns, but he turns thirty three in August, so I think he's going to be their starter. But I'm really interested to see how Jair Brown fits into the defense this year, whether it's pushing for that starting job or if Steve Wilkes, our new defensive coordinator, another addition, is is going to deploy like a, a three safety look here and there with uh, with Brown, who's a who's a supposed to be a really versatile player. Um, and that's that's my big question for the Niners this year. I can is, well, I can a, tell you from about from the Steve Wilkes perspective, he he will do that if they've got the talent because he basically had Buda Baker playing linebacker. He had him playing linebacker and slot in 2018 yeah. when he was head coach here. Very interesting. What what are your thoughts on Steve Wilkes as a defensive coordinator? He was the guy I wanted. I'm really high on Steve Wilkes. I think I think he's a he's a very good coach. Um, I think the 49ers have a good enough foundation that if you can bring in a, a coach like him who has so much experience, especially with, with secondary guys, um, the Niners front seven is so good. If you have a defensive coordinator that can, uh, that can just push the right buttons and, um, have things figured out in the back end, they should be, they should be fine. But I mean, I had questions about D'Amico Ryan's after Robert Sala left. I'm gonna have questions about Steve Wilkes um, now that D'Amico Ryan's is left. But oh, he was no, you know for sure. Wilkes looked at that job and said, "I want that because everyone else gets a head coaching job," and he felt he should get a head coaching job again. Yeah. But I will say this: defensive coordinator in Cleveland, he was like head coach Cardinals, bad. Defensive coordinator Cleveland, bad. Defensive coordinator at Missouri, bad. Um, <laughs> he, it it turned around last year. It really everything about Steve Wilkes turned around last year when he got yeah. the interim job. Yeah. And that was why, because yeah, that's the thing. If you go look at the DVOA numbers and stuff, it's, it's not great, but I think this defense is talented enough and they're, (laughs) how can can you mess up? How can you mess mess up Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, and, and even, and then you've got just, even if you're not elite in the secondary, you are capable in the secondary. And Charvarius Ward's a very good player. You got Tayshawn Gibson Mm -hmm. who's good. Uh, Hufanga was fantastic set last season. Mm Yeah, like it's hard to like. Probably you or I could scheme a defense with that talent that could. Uh, honestly, do well. like we had so on my on my podcast, Candlestick Chronicles, we had Miles Hartsfield who was with Steve Wilkes in. He's been in Carolina his whole career, but he was with Steve Wilkes in Carolina last year, um, and then signed with the Niners this year on on a one year deal. And he talked about like Steve Steve Wilkes as a coach with just I mean so much like adoration for him and what he means to the players and how much players like him and respond to him. That, that to me is, is a bigger deal than the schematic stuff when, when the defense is as talented, but they talk about him the um, same way that, that players talked about Ryan's right. That that's because we got that, that sort of vibe about D'Amico Ryan's as well. Yeah. Yeah. Players just, it's a, a player's coach for sure. But if you told me that the Niners defense fell off a little bit this year, though, it, it wouldn't, I don't think it would necessarily shock me because, like you said, the the history of Steve Wilkes as a defensive coordinator has not been has not been awesome. <laughs> no, it hasn't. Um, the draft you already mentioned Brown. Um, would you say probably the the draft pick who will have the largest impact on this season would be the kicker they 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 got in Jake Moody, who is really really good. Yeah, <laughs> May, legitimately yes, he's the rookie who's going to play the most. I think. 
and they picked him 99. I was like, I, he better be Justin <laughs> Tucker. Like he can't just be, eh, he's pretty good. And Kyle Shannon's a very conservative coach. I know he's on the cutting edge of offensive football and he's a genius and da da da. da. Like I got, I fine, whatever. I, I don't love the way he goes about his fourth down calls. I don't love the way he so often elects to kick field goals over going for it. Um, and I, and I think that there's a conservative way that he manages the game that he's been able to because Robbie Gold has been, for the most part, pretty good really during good, his yeah. time in San Francisco. But this is the first time they've had to integrate a new kicker, and they believe in Jake Moody. I mean, they believe he's going to be a star. So um, that's great, but the Niners are going to lean on him a lot. Ooh. So he better uh, he better be good right away. <laughs> um, the the list of of your long list of draft picks goes. Uh, you already mentioned Brown and Moody, Cameron Latu, tight end Alabama, Daryl mm-hmm. Luter Jr., South Alabama cornerback, a guy I I low key liked, Robert Beal like Jr., edge out of Georgia, T. Win- D. Winters, TCU linebacker, Braden Willis, Oklahoma tight end, Ronnie Bell, Michigan wide receiver, and Jalen Graham, linebacker, Purdue. Who of those guys will do anything this year, and who has a future? Um, I think one of Latu and Willis are gonna are gonna rise in in a receiving role next to George Kittle because the Niners have never really had that. In fact, I'm writing a piece today about their lack of production, receiving production from the backup tight end spot over over the last six years. Um, so I think one of them is going to rise. I don't know exactly which one because you have a guy like Willis who's been catching passes and he caught passes his entire career at Oklahoma. But then you've got a guy like Latu who's a converted defensive end who just kind of came into a, a pass catching role in the last couple of years with uh with Alabama. So I'm fascinated to see that. Uh I also I don't know why, but something sticks out to me with Robert Beal. And he was not super productive at Georgia, but dude, he's like six three, six four, um like two fifty five. He's got super long arms. He ran like a four four. And he just he 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 can fly. He's really explosive. He's big and I, I, I like the idea of putting him on the Niners defensive line with that coaching staff. And uh, and and seeing if he can develop into something. So that's that's the guy I've really circled that I'm that I'm watching in camp. All right, coming up next on the Rise of Series podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move to the 2023 season, a season of high expectations. Can they match them? That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. The 49ers in 2023, one of the absolute favorites to not only win the NFC but win the Super Bowl. And they, like obviously, you've got the the Chiefs at the top. Um, for favorites for the uh, for the Super Bowl, but the 49ers are right there, and with the Eagles are kind of basically co-favorites to take the NFC. What is that reasonable? Are those reasonable expectations for a team that's leaning on that's going to lean on Brock Purdy as a quarterback moving forward, coming off of elbow surgery, and probably going to be ready for Week One? Yeah, it has to be the expectation when your roster is built the way it's built. You can't go into a year being happy with, yeah, if you can win a playoff game, that'd be nice. Like that, that's not, that's not where this team is at all. So I think the expectation has to be there. The 49ers believe uh, fervently in Brock Purdy. So yeah, he went five and oh as a starter last year in the, in the regular season and then won two playoff games. So if they're going to roll with him as the unquestioned starter, then yeah, the expectation is they're going to win a lot of games and and make a push for a Lombardi Trophy. That's that's just where this team is and and needs to be with the amount of talent that's on it. 
So, ceiling is obviously Super Bowl. Not just mm-hmm. Super Bowl, Super Bowl rings, in, in, the, mm-hmm. in the famous words of Bruce saying It's not just Super Bowl, Super Bowl rings. But <laughs> reasonable expectations would be not necessarily winning the championship, but another deep playoff run would be reasonable to do, right? Yeah, I think so. But if you, or I shouldn't say you, if they lose in a NFC championship game for the third time in three years, at some point, fingers are going to start getting pointed. Yeah. I Where? I don't know. It kind of depends on how things shake out. But it would be fine, and it would be hard to, you know, it's not like fire everybody, organizational turmoil kind of thing. But, man, losing a third NFC title game in three years, like, that's... <laughs> And that's that's tough to to swallow. It's, it's so disapp- I think they but, it's like, the but at the same time, you're like, that's three NFC title NFC title games in a row. That's really good. I mean, it's yeah. it's good. It's not quite good enough because you want to see. You always want to see improvement. Yeah, and and they've they. I imagine if they get to the NFC title game and lose, the way it goes down in my head is, oh, they just weren't good enough at quarterback again. Yeah. If you go look, our our buddy Doug Farrar, the managing editor at, at Touchdown Wire, if you go look at his power rankings, the number the Niners are five. One is the Chiefs, and it's like Patrick Mahomes. Two is the Eagles, and it's like Jalen Hurts, possible MVP. Three, the Bengals. Hey, Joe Burrow. If you want a team guy leading your team, it's Joe Burrow. Four, oh, Josh Allen and the Bills. And then five, it's like the Niners are good. We don't know about Purdy, who's ranked number yeah, seventeen Purdy. in the Touchdown Wire quarterback rankings. Right. He's a he's an unknown with an injured elbow. Like cool, man. Like <laughs> so if they if they fall short again, like I was watching the Super Bowl last year and and for me, as good as Purdy was, it's like, man, it's really hard to imagine him going blow for blow with Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. Well, yeah, because Philly but, Philly's defense one was loaded. They had they <laughs> were loaded on offense too, and they still faltered to to the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, I've that's that's kind of where I've I've got them. They're yeah. they're good. They should be there. But I could also see a scenario where they lose in the NFC title game, and we're <laughs> sitting here next offseason going, "Man, they need to do something at quarterback." Yeah, totally, totally. Now, what do you think their reasonable floor is? We're not talking about major injury to to mm-hmm. Nick Bosa, um, or or even a per- like. But honestly, this is the the situation they're in. So if Purdy gets hurt and it's Sam Darnold, uh-huh. if Darnold can minimize his erratic play they're still kind of in the same situation right a little bit right it kind of feels that way that they're the 49ers have almost quarterback proofed their team all they need is mistake free competent play right that's the problem with garoppolo made too many mistakes darnold is very mistake prone yeah but What's the low end of what you think? Like, if if it's a disappointing year, worst case scenario, but not injury wise, what do you see this team achieving? Like, maybe this is too optimistic. Everybody's optimistic this time of year. Maybe it's too optimistic, but like nine or or ten wins. Yeah, it's just really I, hard. They're they're just so talented. It's so hard to imagine. They're so much more talented than the rest of the freaking division. Yeah, and it's it's hard to imagine them going like like three and three in the division. Like, I just. I, that's that's tough to get my head around but they also have like a gauntlet of a schedule yeah where they have like the Bengals and then their bye week and then it's like Jacksonville and it's a bunch of teams that are made the playoffs and are expected to make the playoffs again um 
but it's it's easy to see them like going on the road to Jacksonville and stumbling and losing that game. They have a home Sunday night game against the Cowboys. It's easy. They didn't kick the Cowboys rear ends in the playoffs by by any means. Uh, Dallas took it to them for for a lot of that game. Um, it, it's easy to see them dropping one like that. There's just so many landmines on their schedule that just penciling them in like, oh yeah, they're going to win 12 or 13 games. I, I, I can't do that. It is hard and to, so, it's hard to, and it's hard to replicate that year to you. You can be yeah, a better team yeah. and not win as many games. That's one, one yeah. of the weird things about the NFL. They, they opened this year in Pittsburgh. And it's not an easy game. No, they should win and, it, but yeah, it's a home I, betting perspective. Home openers. I always give extra juice to the home team, no matter what. Yeah, thousand percent, and that's that's a that's a good, well coached defense that has a bunch of tape now on Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy playing his first game since getting his elbow obliterated in the NFC Championship game. Like that's 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 a huge question mark. Yeah. And then it's like Rams on the road. Okay, call that a W. But then Giants Thursday night at home, and the Giants I think play Arizona the week before, so I'm mm-hmm. imagining they'll stay on the West Coast. Like that's not that's not a layup. Could they could they get in a rock fight with the Giants? Like yeah, hundred percent. Hey, but at so, least you got the Cardinals in Week Four. <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring. It. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna go but, but let's be honest. The Forty ers view the like, obviously it's a division game, but the Forty ers mm-hmm. view the Cardinals and the Ross, especially fans. Those are two gonna win games, right? Um, yeah. The only yes, like logically, yeah, for sure. Um, when do you think Kyler's gonna be back? I think we honestly, I think he'll be back in Week Six. Okay, so they're missing the first game. Like that's. That's the big wild card yeah. to me. I, I, like, I, Kyler's I, I, just such a pain, man. That if he's playing, I'm I'm never chiseling in a W. I think he'll play. I'll be. I, I'm pretty sure, and he should be. You know, back and comfortable by the time they play the second time. Um, yeah, was that week fifteen? Oh, 16? yeah, definitely. Okay, that's right. That's the that's the Rams. We play. We wrap up early, and we play the 49ers in week fifteen. And then the Cardinals, I mean, the Card- play the Seahawks in week 18. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, I, I see that game being, I, mean, I, I I still pencil in both games as not like no chance games. But that mm-hmm. second one at home, there's a fighting chance, at least, assuming that with, based on my expectations that Kyler's back and healthy. That second one at home, here's what the Niners have leading into that game. Seahawks Thursday night at Seattle on Thanksgiving. The next Sunday, they travel to the Eagles. Then they come back home to play the Seahawks, and then they travel to Arizona. Oh my gosh! Like if they go, Forty Niners go. Like there's so that one metric. See them. The metric so, where the Forty Niners were given the least favors this year on their schedule. Yeah, it's it, their schedule is really tough, but it's so easy to see them going into a division game. Kyler's back; he's comfortable. Niners coming off a really brutal three game stretch. They toss their helmets on the field and they lose twenty four to <laughs> oh, eighteen. Like that's just that's so easy to to picture. So, yeah. and that's just that that is more like I know the Cardinals are rebuilding and they you know new front office and new coaching staff. I, I totally get that, but that is like all Kyler. I I have so much uh, like appropriate fear of of Kyler Murray. <laughs> well. Zoom's going to cut us off here in a couple minutes, so we don't want that to happen oh. before we say sorry, <laughs> say goodbye. That's thank you so much for your time, like you do every year. And of course, um, and that's Kyle Madsen. You can find him naturally on NinersWire.com. You can catch him on the Candlestick Chronicles podcast with with Chris Biederman, who was a former Niners Wire guy. Um, nice. And on social media, he not only on on Twitter now you can find him for good football takes, but 
He's pretty funny too, even though he doesn't like to admit it. Mm, I try to be. <laughs> if it, as long as anybody else thinks I'm funny, then that's great. <laughs> well, thank you, Kyle. That'll wrap up this edition Appreciate of the Bo- right. Rise Up Serial Podcast. We will be back for another show in the next, well, probably tomorrow, with how this is going. Probably tomorrow I'll post the next show. Thanks for listening as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise Up Red Sea, Be Red Sea Red, and of course, Rise Up Sea Red. Rise up! Rise up! Rise up! Rise up!